chapter twelve part one of smoke baloo by jack london this librivox recording is in the public domain wonder of woman just the same i notice you ain't tumbled over yourself to get married shorty remarked continuing a conversation that had lapsed some few minutes before smoke sitting on the edge of the sleeping robe and examining the feet of a dog he had rolled snarling on its back in the snow did not answer and shorty turning a steaming moccasin propped on a stick before the fire studied his partner's face keenly cock your eye up at that there aurora borealis shorty went on some frivolous eh just like any shilly shallyin shirt dancing woman the best of them is frivolous when they ain't foolish and they's cats all of them the littlest and the biggest the nicest and the otherwise they're sure devourin lions and roarin hyenas when they get on the trail of a man they've cotton to again the monologue languished smoke cuffed the dog when it attempted to snap his hand and went on examining its bruised and bleeding pads ha huh, pursued shorty mebby i couldn't a married if i'd a mind to and maybe i wouldn't a been married without a mind to if i hadn't hiked for tall timber smoke do you want to know what saved me i'll tell you my wind i just kept a runnin i'd like to see any skirt run me out of breath smoke released the animal and turned his own steaming stick-propped moccasins we've got to rest over to-morrow and make moccasins he vouchsafed that little crust is playing the devil with their feet we ought to keep going somehow shorty objected we ain't got grub enough to turn back with and we gotta strike that run of caribou or them white indians almighty soon or we'll be eatin the dogs sore feet and all now who ever seen them white indians anyway nothing but hearsay and how can a indian be white a black white man be as natural smoke we just ought to travel to-morrow the country's plumb dead of game we ain't seen even a rabbit track in a week you know that and we gotta get out of this dead streak into somewhere that meets runnin they'll travel all the better with a day's rest for their feet and moccasins all around smoke counselled if you get a chance at any low divide take a peep over at the country beyond we're likely to strike open rolling country any time now that's what la pearl told us to look for huh by his own story it was ten years ago that la pearl come through this section and he was that loco from hunger he couldn't know what he did see remember what he said of whoppin big flags floatin from the tops of the mountains that shows how loco he was and he said himself he never seen any white indians that was anton's yarn and besides anton kicked the bucket two years before you and me come to alaska but i'll take a look to-morrow and maybe i might pick up a moose what do you say we turn in smoke spent the morning in camp sewing dog moccasins and repairing harnesses at noon he cooked a meal for two 
ate his share and began to look for shorty's return an hour later he strapped on his snowshoes and went out on his partner's trail the way led up the bed of the stream through a narrow gorge that widened suddenly into a moose pasture but no moose had been there since the first snow of the preceding fall the tracks of shorty's snowshoes crossed the pasture and went up the easy slope of a low divide at the crest smoke halted the tracks continued down the other slope the first spruce trees in the creek bed were a mile away and it was evident that shorty had passed through them and gone on smoke looked at his watch remembered the oncoming darkness the dogs and the camp and reluctantly decided against going farther but before he retraced his steps he paused for a long look all the eastern skyline was saw-toothed by the snowy backbone of the rockies the whole mountain system range upon range seemed to trend to the northwest cutting athwart the course to the open country reported by la pearl the effect was as if the mountains conspired to thrust back the traveller toward the west and the yukon smoke wondered how many men in the past approaching as he had approached had been turned aside by that forbidding aspect la pearl had not been turned aside but then la pearl had crossed over from the eastern slope of the rockies until midnight smoke maintained a huge fire for the guidance of shorty and in the morning waiting with camp broken and dogs harnessed for the first break of light smoke took up the pursuit in the narrow pass of the canyon his lead dog pricked up its ears and whined then smoke came upon the indians six of them coming toward him they were travelling light without dogs and on each man's back was the smallest of pack outfits surrounding smoke they immediately gave him several matters for surprise that they were looking for him was clear that they talked no indian tongue of which he knew a word was also quickly made clear they were not white indians though they were taller and heavier than the indians of the yukon basin five of them carried the old-fashioned long-barreled hudson bay company musket and in the hands of the sixth was a winchester rifle which smoke knew to be shorty's nor did they waste time in making him a prisoner unarmed himself smoke could only submit the contents of the sled were distributed among their own packs and he was given a pack composed of his and shorty's sleeping furs the dogs were unharnessed and when smoke protested one of the indians by signs indicated a trail too rough for sled travel smoke bowed to the inevitable cached the sled end on in the snow on the bank above the stream and trudged on with his captors over the divide to the north they went down to the spruce trees which smoke had glimpsed the preceding afternoon they followed the stream for a dozen miles abandoning it when it trended to the west and heading directly eastward up a narrow tributary the first night was spent in a camp which had been occupied for several days here was cached a quantity of dried salmon and a sort of pemmican which the indians added to their packs from this camp a trail of many snowshoes led off shorty's captors 
was smoke's conclusion and before darkness fell he succeeded in making out the tracks shorty's narrower snow-shoes had left on questioning the indians by signs they nodded affirmation and pointed to the north always in the days that followed they pointed north and always the trail turning and twisting through a jumble of upstanding peaks trended north everywhere in this bleak snow solitude the way seemed barred yet ever the trail curved and coiled finding low divides and avoiding the higher and untraversable chains the snowfall was deeper than in the lower valleys and every step of the way was snowshoe work furthermore smoke's captors all young men travelled light and fast and he could not forbear the prick of pride in the knowledge that he easily kept up with them they were travel-hardened and trained to snowshoes from infancy yet such was his condition that the traverse bore no more of ordinary hardship to him than to them in six days they gained and crossed the central pass low in comparison with the mountains it threaded yet formidable in itself and not possible for loaded sleds five days more of tortuous winding from lower altitude to lower altitude brought them to the open rolling and merely hilly country la pearl had found ten years before smoke knew it with the first glimpse on a sharp cold day the thermometer forty below zero the atmosphere so clear that he could see a hundred miles far as he could see rolled the open country high in the east the rockies still thrust their snowy ramparts heavenward to the south and west extended the broken ranges of the projecting spur system they had crossed and in this vast pocket lay the country la pearl had traversed snow blanketed but assuredly fat with game at some time in the year and in the summer a smiling forested and flowered land before midday travelling down a broad stream past snow buried willows and naked aspens and across heavily timbered flats of spruce they came upon the site of a large camp recently abandoned glancing as he went by smoke estimated four or five hundred fires and guessed the population to be in the thousands so fresh was the trail and so well packed by the multitude that smoke and his captors took off their snowshoes and in their moccasins struck a swifter pace signs of game appeared and grew plentiful tracks of wolves and lynxes that without meat could not be once one of the indians cried out with satisfaction and pointed to a large area of open snow littered with fang-polished skulls of caribou trampled and disrupted as if an army had fought upon it and smoke knew that a big killing had been made by the hunters since the last snow flurry in the long twilight no sign was manifested of making camp they held steadily on through a deepening gloom that vanished under a sky of light great glittering stars half veiled by a greenish vapour of pulsing aurora borealis his dogs first caught the noises of the camp pricking their ears and whining in low eagerness then it came to the ears of the humans a murmur dim with distance but not invested with the soothing grace that is common to distant murmurs instead it was in a high wild key a beat of shrill sound broken by shriller sounds the long wolf howling of many wolf-dogs 
a screaming of unrest and pain mournful with hopelessness and rebellion smoke swung back the crystal of his watch and by the feel of finger-tips on the naked hands made out eleven o'clock the men about him quickened the legs that had lifted through a dozen strenuous hours lifted in a still swifter pace that was half a run and mostly a running jog through a dark spruce flat they burst upon an abrupt glare of light from many fires and upon an abrupt increase of sound the great camp lay before them and as they entered and threaded the irregular runways of the hunting camp a vast tumult as in a wave rose to meet them and rolled on with them cries greetings questions and answers jests and jests thrust back again the snapping snarl of wolf-dogs rushing in furry projectiles of wrath upon smoke's stranger dogs the scolding of squaws laughter the whimpering of children and wailing of infants the moans of the sick aroused afresh to pain all the pandemonium of a camp of nerveless primitive wilderness folk striking with clubs and the butts of guns smoke's party drove back the attacking dogs while his own dogs snapping and snarling awed by so many enemies shrank in among the legs of their human protectors and bristled along stiff-legged and in menacing plants they halted in the trampled snow by an open fire where shorty and two young indians squatted on their hams were broiling strips of caribou meat three other young indians lying in furs on a mat of spruce boughs sat up shorty looked across the fire at his partner but with a sternly impassive face like those of his companions made no sign and went on broiling the meat what's the matter smoke demanded half in irritation lost your speech the old familiar grin twisted on shorty's face nope he answered i'm a indian i'm learning not to show surprise when did they catch you next day after you left hum shorty said the light of whimsy dancing in his eyes well i'm doing fine thank you most to death this is the bachelor's camp he waved his hand to embrace its magnificence which consisted of a fire beds of spruce boughs laid on top of the snow flies of caribou skin and windshields of twisted spruce and willow withes and these are the bachelors this time his hand indicated the young men and he spat a few spoken gutturals in their own language that brought the white flash of acknowledgment from eyes and teeth they are glad to meet you smoke set down and dry your moccasins and i'll cook up some grub i'm getting the hang of the lingo pretty well ain't i you'll have to come to it for it looks as if we'll be with these folks a long time there's another white man here got caught six years ago he's a irishman they picked up over great slave lake way danny mccann is what he goes by he settled down with a squaw got two kids already but he'll skin out if ever the chance opens up see that low fire over there to the right that's his camp apparently this was smoke's appointed domicile for his captors left him and his dogs and went on deeper into the big camp while he attended to his footgear and devoured strips of hot meat shorty cooked and talked this is a sure peach of a pickle smoke you listen to me and we got to go some to get out these is the real blowed in the glass wild indians they ain't white but their chief is he talks like a mouthful of hot mush 
and if he ain't full blood scotch they ain't no such thing as scotch in the world he's the hyu skookum top chief of the whole caboodle what he says goes you want to get that from the start off danny mccann's been trying to get away from him for six years danny's all right but he ain't got go in him he knows the way out learned it on huntin trips to the west of the way you and me came he ain't had the nerve to tackle it by his lonely but we can pull it off the three of us whiskers is the real goods but he's mostly loco just the same whose whiskers smoke queried pausing in the wolfing down of a hot strip of meat why he's the top geezer he's a scotcher he's getting old and he's sure asleep now but he'll see you to-morrow and show you clear as print what a measly shrimp you are on his stomping grounds these grounds belong to him you got to get that into your noodle they ain't never been explored nor nothing and they are his'n and he won't let you forget it he's got about twenty thousand square miles of hunting country here all his own he's the white indian him and the skirt huh don't look at me that way wait till you see her some looker and all white like her dad he's whiskers and say caribou i've saw em a hundred thousand of good running meat in the herd and ten thousand wolves and cats a-following and livin off the stragglers and the leavens we leave the leavens the herds movin to the east and we'll be followin em any day now we eat our dogs and what we don't eat we smoke and cure for the spring before the salmon run gets its stingin say what whiskers don't know about salmon and caribou nobody knows take it from me here comes whiskers lookin like he's goin somewheres shorty whispered reaching over and wiping greasy hands on the coat of one of the sled dogs it was morning and the bachelors were squatting over a breakfast of caribou meat which they ate as they boiled smoke glanced up and saw a small and slender man skin clad like any savage but unmistakably white striding in advance of a sled team and a following of a dozen indians smoke cracked a hot bone and while he sucked out the steaming marrow gazed at his approaching host bushy whiskers and yellowish-gray hair stained by camp smoke concealed most of the face but failed wholly to hide the gaunt almost cadaverous cheeks it was a healthy leanness smoke decided as he noted the wide flare of the nostrils and the breadth and depth of chest that gave spaciousness to the guarantee of oxygen and life how do you do the man said slipping a mitten and holding out his bare hand my name is snass he added as they shook hands mine's blue smoke returned feeling peculiarly disconcerted as he gazed into the keen searching black eyes getting plenty to eat i see smoke nodded and resumed his marrowbone the purr of scottish speech strangely pleasant in his ears rough rations but we don't starve often and it's more natural than the hand-reared meat of the cities i see you don't like cities smoke laughed in order to be saying something and was immediately startled by the transformation stas underwent quite like a sensitive plant the man's entire form seemed to wilt and quiver then the recoil tense and savage concentred in the eyes in which appeared a hatred that screamed of immeasurable pain he turned abruptly away and recollecting himself remarked casually 
over his shoulder i'll see you later mr ballou the caribou are moving east and i'm going ahead to pick out a location you all all come on to-morrow some whiskers that a eh? shorty muttered as snaz pulled on at the head of his outfit again shorty wiped his hands on the wolf-dog which seemed to like it as it licked off the delectable grease later on in the morning smoke went for a stroll through the camp busy with its primitive pursuits a big body of hunters had just returned and the men were scattering to their various fires women and children were departing with dogs harnessed to empty toboggan sleds and women and children and dogs were hauling sleds heavy with meat fresh from the killing and already frozen an early spring cold snap was on and the wildness of the scene was painted in a temperature of thirty below zero woven cloth was not in evidence furs and soft tanned leather clad all alike boys passed with bows in their hands and quivers of bone barbed arrows and many a skinning knife of bone or stone smoke saw in belts or neck hung sheaths women toiled over the fires smoke carrying the meat on their backs infants that stared round-eyed and sucked at lumps of tallow dogs full kin to wolves bristled up to smoke to endure the menace of the short club he carried and to whiff the odour of this newcomer whom they must accept by virtue of the club segregated in the heart of the camp smoke came upon what was evidently snass's fire though temporary in every detail it was solidly constructed and was on a large scale a great heap of bales of skins and outfit was piled on a scaffold out of reach of the dogs a large canvas fly almost half tent sheltered the sleeping and living quarters to one side was a silk tent the sort favoured by explorers and wealthy big-game hunters smoke had never seen such a tent and stepped closer as he stood looking the flaps parted and a young woman came out so quickly did she move so abruptly did she appear that the effect on smoke was as that of an apparition he seemed to have the same effect on her and for a long moment they gazed at each other she was dressed entirely in skins but such skins and such magnificently beautiful fur work smoke had never dreamed of her parka the hood thrown back was of some strange fur of palest silver the mukluks with walrus hide soles were composed of the silver padded feet of many lynxes the long gauntleted mittens the tassels at the knees all the varied furs of the costume were pale silver that shimmered in the frosty light and out of this shimmering silver poised on slender delicate neck lifted her head the rosy face blonde as the eyes were blue the ears like two pink shells the light chestnut hair touched with frost dust and coruscating frost glints all this and more as in a dream smoke saw then recollecting himself his hand fumbled for his cap at the same moment the wonder stare in the girl's eyes passed into a smile and with movements quick and vital she slipped a mitten and extended her hand how do you do she murmured gravely with a queer delighted accent her voice silvery as the furs she wore coming with a shock to smoke's ears 
attuned as they were to the harsh voices of the camp squaws smoke could only mumble phrases that were awkwardly reminiscent of his best society manner i am glad to see you she went on slowly and gropingly her face a ripple of smiles my english you will please excuse it is not good i am english like you she gravely assured him my father he is scotch my mother she is dead she is french and english and a little indian too her father was a great man in the hudson bay company brr it is cold she slipped on her mitten and rubbed her ears the pink of which had already turned to white let us go to the fire and talk my name is la bisque what is your name and so smoke came to know la bisque the daughter of snass whom snass called margaret snass is not my father's name she informed smoke snass is only an indian name much smoke learned that day and in the days that followed as the hunting camp moved on in the trail of the caribou these were real wild indians the ones anton had encountered and escaped from long years before this was nearly the western limit of their territory and in the summer they ranged north to the tundra shores of the arctic and eastward as far as the lusqua what river the lusqua was smoke could not make out nor could la bisque tell him nor could mccann on occasion snass with parties of strong hunters pushed east across the rockies on past the lakes and the mackenzie and into the barrens it was on the last traverse in that direction that the silk tent occupied by la bisque had been found it belonged to the millicent adbury expedition snass told smoke oh i remember they went after musk oxen the rescue expedition never found a trace of them i found them snass said but both were dead the world still doesn't know the word never got out the word never gets out snass assured him pleasantly you mean if they had been alive when you found them snass nodded they would have lived on with me and my people anton got out smoke challenged i do not remember the name how long ago fourteen or fifteen years smoke answered so we pulled through after all do you know i've wondered about him we called him long tooth he was a strong man a strong man la pearl came through here ten years ago snass shook his head he found traces of your camps it was summer time that explains it snass answered we are hundreds of miles to the north in the summer but strive as he would smoke could get no clue to snass's history in the days before he came to live in the northern wilds educated he was yet in all the intervening years he had read no books no newspapers what had happened in the world he knew not nor did he show desire to know he had heard of the miners on the yukon and the klondike strike gold miners had never invaded his territory for which he was glad but the outside world to him did not exist he tolerated no mention of it nor could la bisque help smoke with earlier information she had been born on the hunting grounds her mother had lived for six years after her mother had been very beautiful the only white woman la bisque had ever seen 
she said this wistfully and wistfully in a thousand ways she showed that she knew of the great outside world on which her father had closed the door but this knowledge was secret she had early learned that mention of it threw her father into a rage anton had told us squaw of her mother and that her mother had been a daughter of a high official in the hudson bay company later the squaw had told Labisque, but her mother's name she had never learned as a source of information danny mccann was impossible he did not like adventure wild life was a horror and he had had nine years of it shanghaied in san francisco he had deserted the whale-ship at point barrow with three companions two had died and a third had abandoned him on the terrible traverse south two years he had lived with the eskimos before raising the courage to attempt the south traverse and then within several days of a hudson bay company post he had been gathered in by a party of snass's young men he was a small stupid man afflicted with sore eyes and all he dreamed or could talk about was getting back to his beloved san francisco and his blissful trade of bricklaying you're the first intelligent man we've had snass complimented smoke one night by the fire except old four eyes the indians named him so he wore glasses and was short-sighted he was a professor of zoology smoke noted the correctness of the pronunciation of the word he died a year ago my young men picked him up strayed from an expedition on the upper porcupine he was intelligent yes but he was also a fool that was his weakness straying he knew geology though and working in metals over on the lusqua where there's coal we have several creditable hand forges he made he repaired our guns and taught the young men how he died last year and we really missed him strayed that's how it happened froze to death within a mile of camp it was on the same night that snass said to smoke you'd better pick out a wife and have a fire of your own you will be more comfortable than with those young bucks the maiden's fires a sort of feast of the virgins you know are not lighted until full summer and the salmon but i can give orders earlier if you say the word End of chapter twelve part one